So we're going to continue in our series on prayer today, and we're going to specifically be looking at the prayer of intercession or praying for other people, to keep it simple. All right, last week we looked at our personal prayer time, and I explained to you how I felt that that was probably the most important type of prayer because everything else in our life hinges from our personal prayer time. When you have a personal prayer time, you get peace, you get direction, you get comfort. It builds you for the rest of what you do. That was last week, our personal prayer time. But today, we're going to talk about the prayer of intercession. And I need to say about this prayer that it is the most selfless and it is the most rewarding. And I mean the most rewarding because we have the opportunity to pray for other people and see God meet their need, see God do amazing things for them, and they might not even know that we're praying for them. And it is super, super rewarding. So we're going to talk about intercession today, and we're going to look at it in some different aspects that Scripture shows. Intercession, the dictionary definition means to intervene between parties with a view to reconciling differences. The most literal meaning is a go-between. So, the prayer of intercession then, if we're praying for somebody else, means that we go between the Lord and them. So if you want to picture that, there you are in between the two, you're asking God to work for them. It has nothing to do with you except you're the in-between. Okay, has everybody got that? And it's amazing, it's rewarding, it is good. Now, let me give you a verse that gives a very simple definition of intercession. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. And I'll try to remember it to go a little slower because it's not on the screens today for you. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. It says, I urge you first of all to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. So simple definition from this verse, interceding for others, ask God to help them, and thank God for them. So you can intercede for anybody simply by knowing those two things. God, my friend needs some help in this area, and then you thank God for them. That's a really easy way to begin intercession. All right? I believe that God doesn't make it complicated because he wants us to do it. And he knows well enough that people don't do things if they're too complicated. Um, how many guys here like to read complicated directions when you're putting something together? See, nobody, directions, what's that? Exactly, right? Guys typically like, hey, we can figure this out. What are all these directions? And then especially if they give you directions in little tiny fine print, like what are they thinking? You can't do that. Okay, so God also knows the mindset of people. He knows that we don't need complicated, and he did not make it complicated. As a matter of fact, he said that unless you become like a little child, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. What's he saying? It's that simple that even a little child can get it. All right? So that's why we try to keep it simple as well. Now, I understand that if you're a person with a mind that likes to go deep, you can go as deep as you want. You'll never get deeper than what this is if that's what you choose because that's how good he is. But today, we're not going to go that deep. All right. Um, we're going to give you some examples today of intercession, and I'm going to do the same thing I did at the other two services. I'm going to ask 
individual people to pray on some of these points of intercession. So I have a mic here. I'm going to pick people who I already know. I don't pick newcomers. I'll pick people who I know know how to pray, okay? And if I bring the mic to you and you're like, no way, I'll just pick somebody else. So you don't have to is what I'm saying, okay? I told them at the one service, if you don't want me to pick you, just look down. And everybody looked down. So I'm not saying that again. Just look up. Okay. All right. So one of the ways of intercession is praying for leaders. So I'm going to give you three main areas, and then we're going to break down the last one. So the three main areas, praying for leaders, praying for locations. I'll explain that. And praying for other people. And then we're going to break down praying for other people because there's so many ways. So praying for our leaders, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 to 4. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives, marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. All right, so... We are told in Scripture that we should pray for our leaders. Now, this is really amazing because when we pray for our leaders, we're also benefiting ourselves. Because let's face it, you and I can complain about our leaders, but does it change anything? You you and I can get together and talk about our political leaders and say how they should do this and they should do that. Does it change anything? Now, here's the thing. Probably... No one in this room this morning, probably none of you are going to get to go and sit down in a chair beside Justin Trudeau and tell him how he should run the country. You're probably not going to get that opportunity, are you? If somebody got called for that opportunity, would you go? Nobody would even go. I'd go. But we're probably not going to get that opportunity, are we? So if we're talking to each other and we're upset and we're giving, what are we changing it? Probably not. But here is the amazing thing about intercession. Every one of us has been given the privilege to right here, anytime, any place, go to the throne room or to the place where the Heavenly Father is in Jesus' name and have a conversation about whatever we want. In other words, we can go in the presence of the King of Kings, and we don't have to wait for an invitation. You guys, this is unbelievable, isn't it? So, Literally today, you can, in prayer, be picturing yourself talking with Jesus, who is the king of kings or prime minister of prime ministers, if that helps you understand it better. And you can say, I got some things that are bugging me. I don't like this. He, you can talk with him. He may not let you run the country, but you're welcome to talk with him and pray. And you can pray for a leader who you may never get to sit beside. And you can pray things that will transform them and change them because you're talking to somebody who's higher than they are. Isn't that amazing? And each of us can do that. Now, to our minds, we might find it hard to understand in our minds, well, how can all of us talk to the Lord at the same time and he can hear us? You see, he's God and we're not. And he has the ability to speak with all of us at the same time differently if he chooses and make it feel like we're the only ones. That's awesome. That's prayer. And that's intercessory prayer when you lift up others. So let's make sure and pray for our leaders. And we can pray for leaders even that we don't like. All right, I just want to make that clear. I'm going to give you a story from the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse 6. 
It's 1 Kings 13 and verse 6, and I'll give you some backstory. There is a young prophet, and God told him to go to this place where the king is. And he said, I want you to go there, and I want you to prophesy against this altar that he put up. You see, the king went and put up an altar in another area, and he was going to sacrifice to God. But they were told they should only have one altar at that time, and it should be in the temple in Jerusalem. But he made his own altar, and God sends this young prophet, and the young prophet comes, and he prophesies against this altar, and he says, this altar will have bones of people sacrificed on it. This altar will be destroyed. This is a false altar. And the king, of course, doesn't like anybody telling him he's wrong. And the king points his hand out and says, you know, arrest him, take him. In other words, he's saying, get that guy. We'll probably torture him and kill him later. How dare he say, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, when he stretches his hand out to say that, his hand shrivels up and paralyzes and he can't move it. And now, in 1 Kings 13 and verse 6, The king cries out to the man of God, Please ask the Lord your God to restore my hand again. So the man of God prayed to the Lord, and the king's hand was restored, and he could move it again. All right, if this prophet or man of God could pray for a king who was about to have him arrested and probably killed, can you and I pray for leaders we don't like? Yes, we can. And yes, we should. Because that is what makes the difference. Trust me, this king realized after this he was wrong. He also realized that God was speaking and using this young prophet. You and I need to pray for leaders even if we don't like them. Also, we can pray for locations. And praying for locations means praying for an area, possibly um, a community, but it can also mean praying for a business or a home. And God's word has something to say about that. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And Jeremiah 29 verse 7 says, Jeremiah 29 and verse 7 says, seek the peace of the city I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. Okay, so here are two verses where they're told to pray for location. Now, the first verse God's people had strayed from God, they were living in sin, and it had brought a curse to the land. And the land actually needed to be healed. You see, from time to time, people either knowingly or unknowingly allow things to come into the location they're at. If you've ever worked for a business where it seemed like everything went wrong all the time, It's probable that there's some type of curse or spiritual thing that was allowed in and it could have been long before you were there, okay? I'm just bringing that to you. And if that's the case, then you can pray for that business, okay? So if, let's say, let's just put it, let's say you were running a business, but you kind of, as a Christian, you started the business, then you started living in sin, let's say, and everything was falling apart in your business. 
you would have to ask God to forgive you and pray for the business. But let's say you're working at a business and you're not the boss, and the boss does a lot of crazy stuff and it seems to be affecting the business, you as an employee can still pray for that business. And you can pray that every area that you're a part of is blessed, okay? And, of course, you can pray for the leader that God would change him. Does that make sense? So that's uh, praying for location. It's really important. And by praying and asking God to bless and overflow, it is amazing what God can do. Praying for other people. And we're going to divide this into sections. One of the things you can pray for other people is that God will bless them. So how do you pray for people to be blessed? Remember, Scripture tells us in Proverbs 11, verse 11, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Where you live, if you speak blessing over it, it actually builds that place up. If you speak curses and, oh, this is horrible, it tears it down. So we are told to bless. Luke chapter 6 and verse 28 says, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. So we are told to even bless and pray for people that don't like us. Now, you can also bless people that you care about. I'm just giving you the, the extreme side of it. But you should pray and bless people you love and care about. As you pray, i got to make this really clear to you guys. When we pray, we're not just saying words. It is not a duty. God says that when we pray, if we believe the things we're asking, we receive them. Okay? Okay, we don't just think of nice words. There, I'm done. You actually are believing it. What, what do I mean by that? Here's an example that will help you know. Do I believe when I pray? What you think of after you pray usually tells if you believe. Okay, here's what I mean. Let's say you're praying for a friend to get a job. And you're praying, Lord, give my good friend a job. I'm, I'm keeping this simple. Lord, give my good friend a job. Thank you. And then the first thought that goes through your mind is, oh, it'll probably take a year. You don't believe. Okay? Or, well, I don't think that's going to happen because, you know, they're not a very good worker. You don't believe. Or, well, they shouldn't have lost their other job. You don't believe. Instead... The thing that should go through your mind after you've prayed that says you believe should be, I thank you, Lord, you're going to find them a good job. I just know you are. So you've already done praying, but the thought comes, they're going to get a good job. And they're going to get a boss that shows them how to work well because they did lose that other job. But they're going to go forward. Do you see the difference? How you thinking after often says if you believed when you prayed. And you can change how you think after. If you've grown up in maybe a little bit of a negative situation, often negative is always what comes. But you can change that. You simply catch yourself. You know, you've just prayed for that job. You catch yourself going, they can't keep a job. Whoa, stop. Nope, I'm not going there. Forgive me, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're going to show them how to keep a job. Do you get it? You can do that. And suddenly you're praying prayers and you believe. All right, we can pray for people for healing. James chapter 5, 14 and 16. It says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. 
So scripturally, we are told to pray for one another for healing. And in this scripture, they were told to anoint with oil. Now, I have another reference I want to go to about healing, and this is the story of Paul. And uh, for those looking, it's in Acts 28, verse 7. And this is the story of Paul, and he is shipwrecked. And Paul at this time is basically a prisoner. He's in a ship that he didn't want to be in. He told them they shouldn't go where they went. And they've been fasting. The ship, he says, we're going to be saved. And they are, but the ship goes into a sandbar, breaks apart, and they all have to go to this island. And when they get to the island, it says this in verse 7. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. And as it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. So Paul came ready to pray for others. I need you to understand something. Paul could have been in a really grouchy mood. He could have been sick and tired, and he could have been like, I can't believe this, God. You, you, you told me you were going to use me, and I was going to reach lots of people and you know, be a minister. And here I am as a prisoner in a shipwreck on a stinky island. I don't know if it was stinky, but I'm just guessing it was. He could have had that attitude, couldn't he? Oh, what do you got me here for? But he obviously didn't. He obviously had the attitude of, wherever God places me, I'm going to look for people to help. I'm going to bring what he's given me. And he brought healing to that island. You know, maybe for some of you, you feel like you got shipwrecked and tricked into getting to Slave Lake. Like, oh, I didn't want to be here. We had a lady in our church. She told me the story of how they got here. And uh, she had applied for work in the healthcare system. And she applied for a position in Sylvan Lake. And somehow she got placed in Slave Lake. They are not the same place. And she's been here ever since. And she's an amazing blessing in our church. So maybe you feel like God got you somewhere where you didn't really want to go. Just say, you know what? If I'm here, I'm going to be a blessing to others. I'm going to pray for others. I'm going to do whatever God wants while I'm here. So praying for healing is something we can do for other people. We prayed at the early service for a gentleman who wasn't doing well. And I said, let's just do it just like the verse where they anointed with oil. And I said, but I don't have any oil, so I'm going to use hand sanitizer. I didn't do that, by the way. I just told him so. Somebody did have oil. (laughs) But praying the way God says does have an effect. We can also pray for other people for forgiveness. Now, Jesus did this in Luke 23 and verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus was hanging on a cross. They were throwing things in his face. They were telling him, if you're a prophet, come down. They were saying all manner of things. And Jesus says, Lord, forgive them. Did you know you and I have the ability to do that in intercession? Somebody can be doing us wrong. And instead of saying, I hope they get what they deserve, we can say, Lord, forgive them. They're not in a place where they understand this. And we want good for them. We want them to come to know you. We want them to be saved. We want them to be blessed. 
And if they get what they deserve, they're going to be in big trouble. So Lord, forgive them. Just like he forgave us. Because man, if he gave us everything we deserve, that wouldn't be good. Every one of us could be honest about that, I think. I don't want you to get what you deserve. I don't want to get what I would deserve. Because without Christ, all of us would deserve a horrible place separated from God, a place called hell. So we can pray for forgiveness. Uh, Stephen, in Acts chapter 7 and 59, prayed similar to how Jesus prayed. You see, he was being stoned just because he preached about Jesus. He made some religious people upset, and the next thing they decide they're going to throw rocks at him until he's dead. In 59, as they stoned Stephen, he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. Interesting how God's word calls it fall asleep because this isn't all there is, is it? Our spirit lives on. But his body was finished. But in that moment, rather than being angry, he's saying, Lord, forgive them. Why? Because he wants them to have opportunity to know Christ the way he did. And that also is how we should feel. Another thing we can do is pray for protection for others. I'm going to move us along here a bit. I may have one more time for prayer. But we can pray for protection for other people. Luke chapter 22, 31 to 32. So Luke 22, 31 to 22. Jesus is talking to Simon Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Here Jesus is telling Simon Peter, I've been in prayer for you because it was revealed to him that Satan wanted to take Simon out. And Jesus said, no, Satan is not going to take him out. And he prayed for him. And we know that Simon went through some rough days ahead and he denied that he even knew Christ, but he repented, he returned. And he ended up being the greatest leader of the early church. So you have the ability to pray for other people who Satan might be trying to destroy. Maybe you have family members and you're like, why are they where they're at? Why are they always doing drugs? Like, what, what is going on? Pray for them. The enemy's trying to take them out, guaranteed. Pray for them, intercede for them, and watch what God can do. Because God's plans come to pass, God's plans take place when we believe them and we declare them, speak them out in prayer. I want you to do this either this afternoon in this, or this week. I'd like you to read Psalm 91, okay? So we're not going to do it here, but I would like you to read Psalm 91. And most of you know it's a kind of a protection psalm, like God's looking after us, nothing bad can happen. But when you read it, I want you to pray it, okay? So what do I mean by that? You can read something and you're just reading it like a story, but I want you to read it and pray it over yourself or somebody else. So let me just give you an example from the first two verses of Psalm 91. It says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
I'll say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. So it's reading like a story. Now take it and pray it. So you're going to look at it, but you make it yours. You make it for your family that you're praying over. Let's say I'm praying for my family. I would pray it this way. I would say, thank you, Lord, that we dwell in the secret place. We dwell in your secret place, and we abide under the shadow of your wing. See, I'm praying for my family, but I'm reading it. It's powerful because it's truth. And then I would continue down. Thank you that you're our refuge and our fortress. We're going to keep trusting in you. And you will surely deliver us from the snare of the fowler or from any pestilence or disease or sickness. Do you see that? It's a powerful way to pray for others and yourself. So I'm going to encourage you sometime this week to read through Psalm 91 and pray it over yourself and possibly your family or whoever you choose to. Okay, so you're going to do that at home. I know you're like, he has homework for us? Yes, I do. I want you to do something with what you hear. Okay? All right, Luke 10, verse 18 to 19. I'm just bringing this verse in for you to understand that you have power and authority when you pray. Luke 10 and verse 18 says, He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give to you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. See, Jesus' followers came back and they were shocked. They said, the demons listen to us when we tell them to leave, and they were just amazed. And he said, well, I've given you power and authority. If you're a Christian and you're a believer, you also have power and authority when you pray. You need to know that. You need to remember it, Okay. Pray with authority, all right? I don't want to go too deep into that today. I want to wrap up with this today. This is the final one. You can pray for people to have strength and joy. Colossians 1, verse 9 to 11, and I am, yeah, I'll read it all. This is Paul praying for the Colossians. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you. And we ask that you will be filled with knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you will walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy. Paul is saying we haven't ceased praying for you. In other words, we pray for you all the time. And these are some things we pray for you for. And the two last things he mentioned was, we pray for you to have strength and joy. Strength and joy. This is my last verse. John 16, 24. Jesus talking to his disciples says, you haven't done this before, but ask using my name. And you will receive and you will have abundant joy. Everybody say joy. God wants you to have abundant joy. You see, the praying for others, you can pray for them to have joy. You will also have joy. You understand something here. We've been through quite a season, and with COVID and media and everything that's happening, some people are weighed down so heavy they've lost their joy. I'm going to ask you a question. Think, when is the last time you laughed so hard that your stomach hurt? 
If you can't quite remember, it's too long ago. It should be this past week. God wants us to be filled with joy. And if you're someone who can say, yeah, we did this week, you haven't lost your joy. And you're like, well, what, is what does it matter if you laugh till your stomach hurts? I'm bringing that up because God's word said he wants us to have abundant joy. What does that mean? Overflowing joy. And if life is so heavy that we can't laugh, we've taken too much on ourselves and it's not ours to carry. If you're so frustrated and angry with situations that you can't laugh, you've taken something you weren't asked to take. God wants you joyful. Angry, being angry and depressed, you're no good for your family. You need to be joyful. God wants you joyful. I'm going to pray for you as a congregation. I'm going to pray God's joy and strength over each one here. And I am going to actually believe that this week, you guys are going to have a moment where you laugh till your stomach hurts because you need it. You need it. There's some of the, I've never laughed till my stomach hurts. Well, then you're in for a treat. Oh, I can remember laughing when we were kids. Well, I wasn't a kid. I was a teenager. I remember a brother of mine and we were around the table and we were having tea and chocolate cake. I'm an Englishman. If anybody's wondering, we had tea when we were teenagers. It's tea time. You know, but that was break time. And uh, we were around the table. I don't know what happened, but this one brother of mine, he started to laugh, then we all started to laugh. They laughed and laughed, and the next thing, he's having tea and chocolate cake come out of his nose. Well, then we all really laughed, like really loud. I don't know if he was laughing anymore, but we were until our stomachs hurt. You know, God wants to fill you with joy. The brother I mentioned, you know, he actually asked God to fill him with joy because he was really depressed. He said, Holy Spirit, if you can really fill people with joy, I want to be filled with joy. He prayed that and he started to laugh. And he was actually in his bed when he prayed it. He started to laugh. And he laughed, he laughed, it felt so good. And he was like, okay, that's enough. But he kept laughing. <laughs> Some of us just need a good laugh. We're taking life too serious sometimes, guys. If you can't laugh anymore, you're taking it too serious. If you can't laugh with your spouse, you're being too serious. There's something going on. Laugh. Tell a dad joke to her. Laugh. Stand with me. I'm going to pray for you guys. And I'm going to just ask God to really fill you, to just to bless you where you're at. So Lord, I thank you for this group of people, each and every one of them different but amazing. You created all of them. And all of us are created different, yet you want all of us to be filled with abundant joy. That's what you said. Joy and strength. And isn't it interesting that your word says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So Lord, I'm going to pray that this week, some today, some tomorrow, but this week, people are going to be filled with joy. And with that joy is going to come strength bubbling out of them. I ask you, Holy Spirit, fill your people with abundant joy. We command stress to leave. We command worry to leave. We command anxiety, go. We command depression, get away. We say, let your people be joyful. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Give him praise.